Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson. Hello everyone, welcome back to Red Leg Nation Radio. This is episode number 358 of the world's most dangerous podcast. I'm your host, Chad Dotson. With me again this week is my favorite Cincinnati Reds author, Chris Garber. How are you today, Chris? I am doing well, Chad. Thank you very much. Well, there's not a lot to talk about it. You know, it's that time of year, and uh, the way the Reds are operating soft season, there's never not been a lot to talk about anyway. But one thing we had been able to do is we had this, this dream, and it was maybe not a realistic dream, but it was our dream. And that dream was that the Reds were going to trade uh, for Francisco Lindor to play shortstop, and that that was going to move the needle, and that uh, the Reds were going to be uh, really competitive next year. Now, all that may still happen that the Reds are competitive next year, but they're not getting Francisco Lindor. He was traded today to the New York Mets. Ah, so, you know, when you have your dreams dashed, it kind of it kind of hurts. Uh, uh, he made so much sense to the Reds, but then also, depending on how you look at it, knowing the, the direction of the organization, he didn't make a, a lot of sense at, at all, either uh, on a one-year deal. So, any thoughts about the Reds not acquiring Francisco Lindor? Uh, you know... We may have just been deluding ourselves into thinking that uh, the outcome was something other than it was what it obviously was all along. Sometimes it makes you angry. <laughs> no, I, I, yeah, we kind of we kind of knew that this wasn't a thing. But again, it was it was our dream, and we've kind of it's been a running theme here. And because it did make so much sense, he's he's really good. I don't, you may have noticed that. I really like Francisco Lindor. Um, you know, maybe the the Nymets will be a squadron that i'll cheer for <laughs> maybe so so now uh, that brings us to the next question is where, where, where do the reds go now and uh you know there's nobody in house right short Cal- stops short stop cal farmer can i get can i get some cal farmer cal over farmer. here cal farmer we got him resigned we, he, he he came here and he's as as the roster stands now, he's your starting shortstop. Right? Well, I guess maybe uh, Jose Garcia comes back, although he clearly needed some more seasoning on the minor league level. But that's that's it. So are they gonna are they gonna sign? You know, the the, the ones that are still out there are Anderton Simmons, who I'm not that enthused about, uh, D.D. Gregorius, who yeah, I'm fine, I'm fine with Gregorius, uh, and Marcus Simeon, who I you know, he's, uh, he had one great year. It was a great year, but that's really the only time he's been an above average hitter. So I'm not. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Are they going to sign one of those? Let me ask you that. Uh, no, I don't think so. Oh, come on, Chris. Really? I know, I know. You know what? Maybe I've learned my lesson. How many hours did we talk about about Lindor? Uh, and, and, you know, let's just, let's just be honest about what it is. Um, I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know that they know what they, they are going to do, and I don't think there's a plan for what they're going to do. That's what worries you know, me. Yeah. You, I was reading uh, uh, Mark Sheldon's mailbag uh, earlier, and he says something to the effect of the Reds in rebuilding mode. Somebody asked him about, you know, what's going on here. We're going to trade Sonny Gray and Luis Castillo. And he says, are the Reds in rebuilding mode again? Personally, I don't think so. You don't spend $166 million in the previous offseason, get bounced out of the first round of the postseason, and tear it all down to start over again. That simply makes no sense to me. <laughs> You and don't? I agree with every bit of it. I I, I just think it's going to happen. It makes no sense. <laughs> but Has he met Bob Castellini? I, I just don't think there's any... Um, I don't know. I don't, I mean, maybe somebody's driving the train, but I don't think there's any tracks. Yeah, until they show me something different. You know, Again, there, as I keep saying, there, there are still players on this team, and still reason to believe they'll be at least reasonably competitive next year. But until I see them actually make some kind of a move to improve the team, they haven't yet. Then I'm, you know, I'm just not going to fall into the trap of trusting uh, Bob Castellini ever again. Uh, you know, because what's, you know, what's he done for us? And so, yeah, uh, Bill Lackle sometimes say, "Show me." You know, he's going to have to show me because yeah. I, I don't trust him. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there. I mean, I'll, you know, I'm not quitting the Reds. I will still, when I'm allowed, go to Great American Ballpark and sit down and and enjoy the 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 amenities, but uh, it's going to be a long time before I'm kind of bought in again emotionally to this uh, this business, this company yeah. that operates an entertainment product that asks for my my money and my attention, but also my emotional investment. And, and 
they're going to get less of the first two and none of the of the third right now. Yeah, you uh, you're the one that uh, kind of put it a long time ago in terms that uh, made me kind of rethink. Yeah, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to watch the Reds, and you know, I, I'm the same way. We talked about it a little bit last week with uh, with Mo Egger. As soon as I'm allowed in that ballpark, I love being at the ballpark. It's fun. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, if you trust this team to uh, compete, you're deluding yourself, uh, or at least try to compete. They've never really gone all in uh, since Kesselini's been there, and I don't, they're clearly not going to this year either. But the way you put it was uh, something like, you know, if, if you go to a, a, a pizza restaurant and the pizza's consistently bad every time you go, you, you stop going. Uh, and yeah. and there's going to be a segment of fans anyway, not me and you, but there's going to be a segment of fans that are going to be that way if they follow up this, uh, you know, a little bit of a step forward with just kind of playing the same game they've been playing for the last 20 years. Yeah, and, and you know, the fact that the pizza restaurant was good when I was a little kid at some point stopped being relevant to what what, what I'm having for dinner. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's going to be more. I mean, I can imagine it much more like going to a Dayton Dragons game or a Columbus Clippers game. I'm there for a good time and a night outside. Um, hopefully, the baseball is entertaining, but I, I may not even remember what happens when I leave. And I'm certainly not going to get all spun up about it if they don't win. Right, exactly, and uh, and hopefully they will. I, you know, there are still good players in this team, and I do expect them to still be somewhat competitive, and, may, and maybe more than competitive in this uh, kind of garbage division we have. But yeah, I mean, you know, it depends on how much you want to trust uh, what ownership's doing here, and and I, I just I'm going to wait and see, and, and and hopefully they will really surprise me. I do think there's a uh, reasonable chance that they get Didi Gregorius. I I don't know why. I don't know what I'm basing that on, but um, I don't know. I, I kind of see that as 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 working out. Let me flip it around just a little bit here, since we're talking about shortstops. Next offseason, Francisco Lindor, Carlos Correa, Corey Sager, Javi Baez, Trevor Story uh-huh. are all free uh-huh. agents. Do they uh-huh. do they punt for a year, go with Cal Farmer and Jose Garcia? Uh, yeah, right. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, maybe. They're not going to sign one of those guys in a year. That's not going to happen. Well, you know, they went out and spent some money last offseason. They can do it. We've they, seen them do it they, once. They did. They did. I, I think the thing with the Reds is they're never all in, like you said, and but they're never all out either. Right. And I think that's the the real problem in in today's baseball environment is sometimes you have to you don't have to tank and you don't have to bottom out, but you have to commit to the strategy you're going to run. And if your strategy is going to be rebuild in 2015, then you had to commit to it. And if your strategy is going to be compete, whatever the heck that means, or win, which is to me a better strategy, you got to commit all the way to that. And they've never been willing. Um, they've never been willing to go all the way. They, you know, and we've talked about this a million times. And I hate to be so negative, but you know, they they held on to Chapman and they held on to Frazier until both of them started to to, to you know rot a little bit on the vine, um, and. And the same token, they they always have to get, you know, uh, uh, every trade has to bring back a, a guy who's ready to be on the roster right now. Yeah, or, or really soon. Yeah, You know, a Shebler or a Duvall or a, or a uh, what's the, the guy they got for Cueto, the the one who was supposed to, Finnegan. No, you're talking about John Lamb. <laughs> I was first thinking about John <laughs> Lamb. Uh, yeah, the Bo Duke-looking guy. That's right. So any, anyway, I don't know. So you know, it's like you don't do either one all the way. And, and as as uh, as Mike Ermintrout once said, no half measures. Did you see uh, the piece? And I, I generally try to avoid them, but uh, Paul Dockery had a, a piece in the Inquirer uh, last week, week before, and there was a little anecdote in there that uh, I've been meaning to mention here on, on the podcast. And it's just that um, he said that Castellini had asked over and over, "How come the the the." Tampa Bay Rays can do this, and we can't. And uh, and the report was that uh, they did PowerPoint presentations for him and tried to explain what it was, but he would never commit to that because he he, he wanted to do kind of these half measures and he didn't like to trade guys that he'd, he'd come to like. And, and I will say this, Doherty's Doherty, I have independent verification that that is true. And, um, you know, uh, it just makes me think that uh, for all the good they've done, Upgrading uh, various parts of the organization, and they've done great work in, in a lot of areas. You know, Kyle Bodie, Derek. John, I mean, they've made strides. But until Castellini gets out of the way, I just am going to have a uh, hard time believing they're ever going to really, really push it as hard as they can. Maybe I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. I desperately hope I'm wrong. I spend too much time talking about this team, uh, but uh, they've not given me any indication other than basically one off season where they where they spent, but 
did they get a, a Corey Seager type last year? I don't, you know, it depends on how much no, you like. They got that. a bunch of B plus guys. Yeah, they got good guys. Um, but when they go out and get a star, when's the last time? You know, easier said than done. But that's the yeah. type of commitment I mean, that Sonny we need. Sonny Gray, to. I guess. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, Sonny Gray was a was a maybe not a you know a, a five star guy, but he was up there. Yeah, that's a good point. Good point. I um, think he was undervalued when they went and got him. Oh, no question about it. As we've seen, as we've seen since. So I don't know. You know, I, I'm not. I've got. I'm past the point of being upset with this team or being negative about them. It just is what it is. You know, I'm. St- I love them. I'm still going to watch them, and uh, I, I think they got some guys I really like to watch. You know, I like, I like Vado. I like Suarez. I like. I'm excited to watch Tyler Stevens this year. I like. You know, I like Mustakas and Castiana. You know, I like let these guys. You, let me ask you a question though about this. Is is for for all the professionalism and the and the modern uh, approach. You know, whatever it is, player development, analytics, and evaluation. Is is what it comes down to is that Bob Castellini's a fan, and he's running this as a fan, and a bit of a businessman, too. I mean, he doesn't want to lose money. Right. But he's not just kind of, as they say, trust the process. He's got a little bit of that marge shot in him that he's got guys that he likes, and he doesn't want to see them leave town. And, he, he, you know, he doesn't want to see the Reds. I mean, so, uh, this part I don't get because he did see it, but he doesn't want to see the Reds lose 100 games for two years. <laughs> you think there's some of that? Or is it just he's not great at the job of being an owner of a baseball team? Well, I think he's clearly not great at the job of, of being an owner, but I think part of that is, uh, again, we don't we don't know. I know some things that I've heard and, and, and all that, but, um, yeah, I, I think it, a big part of it is that he is uh, – he, he falls in love with guys, uh, you know. Um, they had trades worked out for Billy Hamilton, and uh, he nixed them every time. I mean, this is a fact. Um, you know, I just, uh, he is just too involved while not, which is fine. If, if it's my team, I'd be involved too. <laughs> you know, if, That's where I was going, you know. Is, is, is this what it would look like if we owned a team? And, and would we just be like train wrecking the thing all over the place and having the the professionals that we hire just pulling their hair out and rolling their eyes. <laughs> Maybe I will concede. You know, I I'd want to be in the clubhouse. I'd yeah, I'd want to play with my toy. You know, yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, you know, but the most successful owners aren't doing that these days. Uh, you know, and and you got to kind of trust the process at some point. And 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 he struggled with that, I think. Which again, I can kind of it's kind of justifiably, but it's. And, and, and now, you know, I worry about how much Phil Castellini is going to have uh, on the baseball upside of it uh, with, a, with kind of a vacuum there. I, I don't know. Um, I just have difficulty seeing a Castellini-managed uh, uh, ownership group really committing to, to actually winning again. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they go on a good run this year and, uh, you know, end up having a winning season. They do decide to go back on the trajectory they were on before. But, you know, you're talking two years later now, uh, and it's... Can they make it work? I don't know. I hope so. Yeah, yeah. I, I just don't. I don't. You know, the game we play every spring is where we sit here and we look at the roster and we imagine every one of these guys having their career season at the same time and nobody getting hurt and nobody having an off year. And then we look at it and we squint and we see, yeah, they could do it. They could win. And it's not untrue. It's just unrealistic. Yeah, I think that's uh, uh, this year they're not going to be bad. But you do have to kind of squint a little bit to see them being, you know, something more than maybe a 500 team. Uh, some guys have to do better than they did last year, and some of those guys will. But then, who knows what other guys will do? So, I, I do think they'll be bad if they trade Castillo and/or Gray. Oh yeah, uh, how do you lose I mean, uh, two guys out of that rotation? Well, three yeah, if you could include Escafani. Three if you get rid of all of them and and your closer, who they just threw away. <laughs> right. And I don't love that closer, but they threw him away for, you know, not even magic beans, just some. Some you know black beans. Yeah, did you notice they traded him for a guy that was in the major leagues last year a little bit? Not a not a prospect, not a because um, he he doesn't like. I think Castellini doesn't like the the optics of trading for prospects, as it looks like you're rebuilding, and the rebuild was a disaster. Yeah, and and that's one of those things. It's like who are you listening to? You know what I mean? Yeah. I think if you're if you're listening to an educated, you know, a, a Red Leg Nation radio listener. <laughs> They get it. They yeah. know that prospects are the coin of the realm, and you don't have anything better than prospects. There's nothing. There's nothing worse than trading a star for a, you know, a scrub, right. which is cheaper. <laughs> That's what we got there. But, but you know what the Reds did get this week? The, the Reds War- got. Go ahead. Warren. They got Warren. Warren's back. Warren. Everybody loves Warren, right? Warren is going to be. 
this is going to be good. You know, and all they had to give up was old cash considerations himself. <laughs> old good old cash considerations. The Cincinnati Reds have acquired right-handed pitcher Art Warren. We're going to call him Warren Art just because that's fun. From the Texas Rangers for an undisclosed amount of cash. And he has been placed on the 40-man roster. 28-year-old, and here's a constant refrain. Ohio native, University of Cincinnati alum. Yeah, Art Warren, and he, and he made his Major League debut against the Reds. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, how exciting. So he has Major League experience. Yeah. 99-mile-an-hour uh, fastball. Last, uh, you know, heck, he's, if he's been up there, he, he was a Mariner guy. Maybe he's got some uh, some driveline exposure. I, I don't know this. Um, but, you know, it's very quite possible that he's a Kyle Bodie, uh, Bodie buddy. <laughs> Bodie buddy. We've seen the Reds uh, try to focus on some Bodie buddies, and I think it's a good – I like the idea that uh, they're trying to look at guys that they can uh, get more out of than we've seen before, based on uh, you know the driveline stuff. And so, uh, okay, twenty-eight-year-old reliever. He pitched last year at the Mariners' alternate training site, which I believe is some sort of pickle relish establishment. <laughs> I think you're right. Think, yeah, terribly exciting. So, anyway, uh, welcome to Cincinnati, Art Warren. I hope you're the greatest player. Welcome we, back. We've ever seen. <laughs> welcome back. Um. Really, the only other thing to discuss this week is that uh, it looks like the, 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 the all the signs are there that the season is going to begin on time, or at least the uh, the owners and players want to get it started on time, and uh, that's spring training and then the season as well. So spring training is supposed to begin around the middle of February, and uh, uh, do you expect that to happen? Are you surprised by I that? Do. No, I, I'm not surprised. Um, I think you've got... I think you've seen, um, we've seen, sports at this point ha- are just going to put the, the pedal down. Um, you know, there'll be bumps in the road, but they are going to proceed with, I won't say business as usual, but with business and, and not be stopped. I mean, I think the football season is, is they, they completed a regular season. Um, college football is fits and starts, but once everybody got going, they kept going. You know, hockey and football, or, or hockey and uh, basketball, are, are back. So, uh, and then the you know, the the bigger thing that I'm realizing is the players' association. Uh, they have to agree to any sort of uh, postponement. It sounds like, and those guys don't want to make an, uh, take another year of of thirty six percent salary or, or whatever it was last year, right? Right, short careers. You gotta, you know, you can't give up uh, too much money uh, over and over. Yeah, I think they're done with that game. Yeah, I think so. And uh, the benefit that baseball's got that, you know, hockey and basketball are starting a little bit late because of the way their season's end up going. Baseball, you know, finished roughly on time. And so they'll have a right normal off season, and they can uh, they can gear back up. And, and they've le- hopefully learned a lot about how to manage this. And I think they're just going to – I think they're going to they're gonna do it. And uh, I do expect at some point – I don't know when it'll be, but I think they're going to be uh, fans in the stands. I mean, it's an outdoor game at most uh, stadiums. And so you can uh, get some fans in, I think, uh, sooner than you could, for example, college basketball. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, you know, there's there there are little things to work out. I don't I don't know. Uh, I, I haven't paid attention to the issue with the uh, international travel with the, with uh, the NBA or or the NHL. Did they work that out with the, the Canadian teams going back and forth? Uh, you know, I think the Raptors are playing somewhere in America. Oh, they are. They're they're in Buffalo again. Something like, like that. The, uh, yeah. Okay. So so maybe they do have to do that, but. By and large, yeah, you know, they're and you know they've got until April. Um, I don't think they care if they have crowds in spring training games. I mean, right. that's bad for the, the localities down there, but I don't think anyone's going to expect. You know, that's not a major source of revenue for anybody. So they go down there. They 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 do training camp more or less in a bubble. Right. Yeah, they could. And uh, you've got by April. I mean, by April, I don't think they'll anybody will be complaining with it if major league players and, and coaches and staff get vaccinated i think they'll be the line will have moved on to, to them i think probably at that point i hope yeah yeah hopefully right um yeah i think you're right a question i want to circle back just a minute because i do have a question for you that i think is really important to discuss uh here and that is this would you rather just sit out a season uh rather than uh, live in buffalo <laughs> i mean maybe i, I I, well, you know, I've heard great things about Buffalo, but they they 
are limited to like July and August and September. Exactly. Exactly. So sorry, Buffalo. If we have any Buffalo listeners, I've never actually been to Buffalo. I don't know anything about Buffalo. I like saying Buffalo though. It's a good word. It's a fun word. It is a good word. Good word. You want to uh, answer some viewer mail questions, Chris Garber? Let's listen to the viewer mails. Exactly. I guess. Yeah, we've got a sort of a robust group of uh, viewer mail questions and without a whole lot of uh, actual news to discuss, I think it'd be fun to dive into some of these. First one comes from our friend Scott or Webker. These questions are all submitted uh, by our friends at patreon.com slash redlegradio where you two can support the podcast. Scott asks this question, but uh, let me let me finish it before you uh, make a comment. Sure. With the off-season clock ticking away, it seems like, as it sits right now, that the Reds are still the favorite in the Central. Hmm. I like the optimism, Scholar. Reds have subtracted a strength in pitching in Bauer and Iggy, but haven't lost any offensive players, unlike the other teams in the Central who have lost both offense and pitching. That is true. What sing- uh, asterisk, Freddie Galvis. Oh, that's right. Come on, have we forgotten Freddie oh, so soon? Oh. All right, sorry, I wasn't supposed to interrupt. That's, that's okay. Rest in peace, Freddie Galvis. What single move could the Reds do to make themselves the undisputed National League Central favorites? My move would be the long-awaited Francisco Lindor. One year of competitive, needle-moving <laughs> baseball gives Garcia a year to develop, and the Reds receive a qualifying offer draft pick the next year. Uh, and then uh, space, and then edit. This question did not age well. <laughs> so, sorry, Scholar. I had to read your edit in there. But uh, can the Reds really? Is there anything they can do to make themselves the undisputed NL Central favorites? I mean, uh, Lindor would have helped, but I, I, short of, I, I, mean, I don't know. No, I, I don't. They can be the I favorites, mean, but maybe not the there undisputed. Are multiple, you know, I mean, I guess if they had multiple moves, I, you know what I mean. Like if they went out and got, if they, they signed Trevor Bauer back and got Didi Gregorius, maybe, probably. Yeah, I think I'll go with that. There we go. Let's but, do that. Let's do you that. know, realistically, no. And, and that's not to say that they can't still be competitive in this garbage division. But being the undisputed favorites, I think uh, I know other teams have are cutting uh, bait on their players as well in the, in the division. But I don't know. I mean, I just uh, I think some of the best of some uh, not great teams here. Somebody's going to get hot and uh, uh, take the division. I hope it's the Reds. That's the best you can hope for. Oh, I hope that's my strategy this off season. Yeah. Jerry, all right, I'm going to try to get this right, Jerry. He's giving me a pronunciation guide. So I think I can get it here, but with my ridiculous accent, it may still be wrong. Don't, please forgive me. We'll try again later. Jerry Saduth. Saduth. Jerry's question is this. Aside from San Diego, no one's doing much to augment their rosters this season. I think mostly due to the realities of COVID-19. Is our frustration with the payroll cuts maybe a result of hypersensitivity to years of salary skimping? Thanks. Uh, it's a good point. I mean, we're not the only team doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, why are we whining so much? I, I, that's, I guess it's a fair. I mean, yeah, well, I think so. I, I think it's a fair question. I think though, like the years of salary skimping really happened, and so I don't. You know, you you if you you do something nine times, and the tenth time you're not going to get the benefit of the doubt as much about whether you did or didn't do it. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a really good way to put it. Um, and I think that's sort of what I was trying to get across earlier in this uh, in this show, which is that, you know, show me because I, they did last year, they did kind of go uh, in. And the year before, they made some moves and were really trying to improve the team. And But that's really, you know, two years out of the last 30. There was a couple others but there, 2010, 11, 12 maybe. But um, most of my life, it's been salary skimping. It's just what, what this organization has always done. And uh because they did it one off season, uh, did it differently last off season. I, I don't know. I want to believe so much. Yeah, it, and I, let's let's be clear: the salary skimping is in the last twenty years. Uh you wouldn't. There was skimping in the eighties and nineties, but it was on you know things like food and and scouts and flying your you know, star uh, outfielder yeah. back from the World Series. Yeah, air air ambulances and things like that. Right, but I mean, you know, she'd go out and get players. You never really heard. Oh, the Reds can't afford to keep whomever. I don't know. I'm going to push back on you a little bit because I think in the mid to late '90s we started getting uh, every every acquisition was can we get a Pete Shurek? Can we get a guy that we can oh, fix? Fair. Yeah, they, they didn't go out and compete and compete for free agents perhaps as much. But I don't remember the Reds having to say, "Well, sorry, Reggie Sanders has got to go because he's getting to be too expensive." Yeah, maybe. Why did Reggie uh, Sanders have to go? 
Why did Reggie Sanders have to go? There was a reason, wasn't there? I don't know. He should probably still be playing uh, for the Reds. He played like 40 years in the majors. <laughs> he really did. Something like that. Reggie Sanders, uh, where did he He went to the Padres that uh, was that the he, first? Oh, he was for Greg Vaughn. That's why he had to go. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Had to get the, the goatee in here. So. Yeah. And he ended up with the Diamondbacks and the Cardinals and uh, just a really good Braves. Really good Braves. Uh, Pirates. Why isn't he in the Reds Hall of Fame yet? That's a travesty. Dude, it really is. A what? A travesty, Dawkins. <laughs> Hooper Pal. Next beer mail question. Hooper. Our, our guy Hooper. With no chance for this team to do a full-on rebuild with the non-movable contracts of Moose, Slick Nick, and Vado, is there any other option than to go for it? Looking for a destination for a quick getaway from the hustle and bustle of Columbus. Any suggestions? So two questions there. The first one is, uh, yeah, there's a there's a, a an, uh, another option for the Reds other than going for it or doing a, a rebuild. And I think that's what we're seeing, which is let's try to do it halfway. Stagger back and forth, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and hope. Oh, cross your fingers. I've got mine crossed, both of them. I only have two fingers, evidently. <laughs> Hooper also says he's looking for a destination for a quick getaway from the hustle and bustle of Columbus. You got any suggestions for him? Well, it's, it's not that bustling these days, but, uh, you know, a quick getaway. Uh, these are obvious. Hooper knows the, the Hocking Hills are, are right down the road. Um, I would also recommend... Uh, Malabar Farm State Park, which is kind of up by Mansfield, which is where they filmed some of uh, uh, Shawshank Redemption. I've heard of that the, film. The the big tree at the end was across the street from the park, although it's, it's since been hit by lightning and fallen down. Fun. But the cabin where Andy Dufresne watches his wife uh, with the golf pro is available for rental in the state park. I'm not renting that thing. It's cursed. It's cursed. Just don't, out, just don't sit outside and get drunk in a car. Imagine walking out the front door and seeing uh, Tim Robbins sitting out there. I'd run for my life. Dropping a gun in the mud. <laughs> right. Oh, good movie. All right, so there you go, Hooper. Nobody knows Columbus like Chris Garber. Andrew Scott Wills asks, did you fellas make any New Year's resolutions? Chris, did you make a New Year's resolution this year? I didn't even think about it. Yeah, Sorry. I I'm actually, I'm not sure 2020 is over yet, so I'm waiting. <laughs> yeah. I think it's extended its uh, stay in our world. And uh, I didn't make any resolutions. I, I did last year, really for the first time in a long time. I don't used to do that. It was a really simple uh, resolution that I did keep. But, uh, um, you know, this year I, I didn't think about it either. It's just such a, you know, we're stuck at home for New Year's. And, you know, it's just, so. Are you going to make any uh, resolutions, though, now that you're aware of it? Chris? I think it's too late. Is it too late? Uh, the statue of limitations is passed. <laughs> well, good, good. Um, my resolution last year, I'll just go ahead and say, was just, uh, uh, I didn't make any kinds of these ridiculous ones. I need to, you know, get in shape or whatever. But I did say, I'm going to I'm gonna weigh myself every day for a year. Just be aware of what my weight was. And it did wonders for uh, my uh, motivation. But you lost a whole lot of weight, right? Yeah, right at uh, right at 60 pounds as of this morning. Uh, uh pretty great yeah it's uh part of it was my my, my son shamed me into lifting weights with him and uh but yeah but i didn't make any i'm not trying to lose weight i'm not just said listen i'm just gonna be aware of it so that's that's one i would uh suggest to anyone because it uh provided me some motivation knowing i had to look at it the next day see i do that i weigh myself every day and i just go slowly higher and higher and higher and it has no effect i just but, look at it shake my head and Keep on going. But you're aware of it, so, you know. I'm aware of how fat I am, yeah. <laughs> so awareness is the goal, I think. I guess. Oh, mercy. Dwight Kelly. Dwight Kelly's question is this. Who of the four has or had the most formidable scowl? Here's the four choices. Rick is, Mailer. <laughs> Rick Mailer did have a scowl. Uh, he's not on the list here somehow. All right, all right, all right. Richard Burton. Kind of a blast from the past there. Like the actor? Yes, the actor, Richard Burton. Okay. Okay. Sounds like sounds like a NASCAR driver, maybe. Maybe it means, maybe yeah. means Ward Burton. And Jeff Burton. <laughs> Harrison Ford? Did Harrison Ford have a scowl? I don't think so. Yeah, All right, so. well, that, you know, maybe this is like one of the easily, the, the, the multiple choice, you easily uh, scratch that one out. Right, yeah. Christopher Lee? Is that the uh, Lord of the Ring guy? 
Uh, is he? He's. Uh, I know he's in one of the prequels in Star Wars. Um, okay, he might I be. Think I know the guy. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not. I've, I'm not a Lord of the Ring guy. I, I saw I, I saw the first one. My brothers are killing me for not seeing the other two. And I, I just, fell asleep in the first one and wouldn't see any more. It was lengthy. Did you notice that? It's interminable. I think it's still running. Actually, I think I just left at some point. <laughs> it's still still going. And the final choice here is B. Arthur. <laughs> B. Arthur had a great scout. She did. She did. Uh, I'm going to go off the board if I if I uh, please if I can and. Uh, I am going to say Terrence Stamp. Terrence Stamp. Interesting. I'm going to have to. General Zod from Superman 2. Oh. Also, yeah. the Limey from uh, uh, Steven Soderbergh's The Limey. Good movie. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I'm looking now. That's a good scowl. It's a great scowl. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll accept that. I'm going to go with B. Arthur. As you do. <laughs> As I do. There's, I'll tell you a little story uh, that's kind of uh, something we give my wife a hard time in this house. Um, years and years ago, uh, we may have just been first married or, or, or dating, and, and there was some game. I can't remember the, the name of it, but it, essentially the um, the idea, I think, was that you, you, you're assigned a letter of the alphabet uh, each round, and then you have a list of things you got to come up with a person whose name starts with that that fits whatever the category is. Okay. And, and the, somebody will know what this game is. We've not played it in years because uh, my wife will not do, play it anymore. And uh, the, the letter that we had was was B. And, uh, you know, my wife answers five or six of them. I don't know, you know, and the good answers. And the last one was somebody notorious. And she said, B. Arthur. So she, in our house, she's been the notorious B. Arthur. <laughs> and uh, I'm not sure she was, I'm not sure she was quite notorious. Do you think, do you, do you think I'm being unreasonably hard? On my wife? Yeah, I think I do, yeah I don't think B. Arthur is notorious. I think she was beloved, beloved, yes. and uh, brassy. Oh, definitely brassy. Yeah. So, so who's notorious? That uh, whose name starts with a B? B. I. G. <laughs> well, of course, yeah, that's the obvious one. <laughs> Pretty obvious, yeah. Yeah, um, Bob Hope. <laughs> was Bob Hope notorious? Yeah, yeah. notorious for yeah, being okay. not funny. <laughs> Come on. America's uh, favorite comedian. Come oh, on. beloved. Beloved. So beloved. So beloved that we had to kick him out uh, for like nine months a year uh, overseas to see the see the troops to get, <laughs> get him out go. of the country. Don't you go over there somewhere again? Is there somewhere <laughs> if you can go? You yeah. think those guys were like sweet? Comes an old dude. I mean, I guess that's why he traveled with like playmates, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably. Yeah, here's that guy. Here's that guy our dad liked. <laughs> right. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe you know they're happy to get any kind of entertainment. Maybe you know they're in a war zone. Maybe or um, Bob Hope and some some playmates. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm not. You know, I'm I'm not a veteran, so I don't know what it's like. But you, you appreciate. You know, like Dave Coulier shows up. You're like, that's cool. <laughs> right. You you think nowadays uh, they show like old old films of uh, Bob Hope overseas to our to our troops? Yeah, probably. Like yeah. you know, this like stuff from the '40s. Yeah, probably. I'm sure they're entertained by that. Yeah. The notorious Bob Hope. Cal Kapler from the this is a, this is a tough one. I'm not sure we're going to we'll, tr- we'll try to struggle through it and come up with it. From 2015 to 2020, what's your all obscure team? Have to have your starting five pitchers, one lefty, one righty reliever as well. So I yeah, we may have to kick that one to next week. That's a tough a big one. Big project. Ryan Lavarnway. Ryan Lavarnway's your catcher. Uh there's not a first baseman really, I guess. Uh is there? I don't know. Is Matt Davidson eligible at first base? Oh, sure. Why, why wouldn't he be? Yeah. Okay. Matt Davidson. Uh, second base is going to have to be... Uh, I can't even remember these last five years. Other than uh, last year, it's been a just a disaster. Scooter, Scooter Jarnett. The whole team. I'm not sure that's uh, obscure enough. What about uh, Christian Cologne? Yeah, that's a good one. Remember that guy? Yeah, uh, Kivlahan somewhere. Oh, yeah, Kivlahan. Where did he play? I think he was an outfielder. Outfield. We'll, we'll put him in one of the outfield spots. Uh, shortstop, all of them? Uh, Ivan De Jesus Jr. There you go. There you go. There's um, apparently a guy named Jordan Pacheco who played 31 games for the Reds as an infielder. Yeah, mortal. Oh, you know what? Our, 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 uh, maybe we can put him at third if we want, but we got to have Cliff Pennington in there, right? Is he, is he eligible? Is he uh yeah, I feel like we're going to find out that Cliff Pennington was on the Reds in like 1987, 2018. Can you believe that? I 
I can and I can't. We'll have, we'll have him and Phil Goslin. There's like, oh, there is a, such a list of guys who played their last game for the Reds. I know. We should go over those one of these days. That'd be a good yeah, one. Yeah, that's that's guys whose career ended after they were on the Reds. Yeah, this was the last stop, the last hurrah. So we got uh, who'd you say Kivalahan? Yep, Kivalahan, who played 115 games in 2017. Uh, what about Arizmendi Alcantara? I wrote uh, a, he's a obscure or forgotten or whatever you want to call yeah. it. I wrote a good piece about he's not really an outfielder, I guess, but I wrote a good piece at Red Lake Nation about hey he was the next big thing. <laughs> so you can go ahead and I'm gonna stop listening now. Oh, that's good. <laughs> uh, we need another outfielder. Um, <laughs> I don't know. How about Gabriel Guerrero? There we go. Gabby, can I call him Gabby Guerrero? Sure. Uh, pitchers. A guy named Tim Fedorowitz. What position was he? Catcher. He's a catcher. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of remember him barely. Career three thirty three hitter for the Reds. Zach, I don't, I don't remember his name. Zach Vincie, Vincie. Oh like yeah, that? yeah, Vincie. Yeah, yeah that guy. Um, Tim Wallach's son. He was a catcher that played for the Reds. Yeah, yeah. Wasn't he there on like a maternity leave when like all the catchers' <laughs> yeah. wives got pregnant at the same time or something? I think so. Yeah, he got six games. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think for the uh, for the starting pitchers, I think we could just go back to 2017 and just take that rotation. I mean, uh, although Castillo did uh, come up, but Scott Feldman, Tim Adelman, <sighs> Asher Wojciechowski, Jackson <sighs> Stevens. Wow, who, that's brutal. Who else got a start of that team? Let me see what I can find here. Um. Oh my gosh, Brandon Finning got four starts. <laughs> Deck McGuire <laughs> got two starts. He, he took a break from his uh, life as a private de- private investigator, private detective, and in, uh, in some uh, old forties uh, uh, film noir. <laughs> two starts. <laughs> oh my god. Oh. Well, your bullpen comes from that team as well, you know. Um, I guess Wandy Peralta is not really too obscure, but, but Dylan Dylan Floro. Dylan Floro, oh yeah, he was uh, he was good for a couple months, and they pawned him off. Austin Bryce, Kevin Shackelford, <laughs> Quackenbush. <laughs> oh, fear the mighty Quackenbush. There you go. So your closer's Quackenbush, right? Yeah, yeah, of course it is. Yeah, gotta be, gotta be. So uh, that was uh, both more fun and less fun than uh, I had hoped it would be, because I don't like remembering those guys. Next question comes from our friend Nathan Connor. He says, Chad, last week you discussed how much the Reds love to go to the five-one-three well on personnel decisions, both in the front office and on the field. I will say, Nathan, I did get your uh, email on this subject and uh, agree with everything you said. I haven't had a chance to uh, respond yet, but I did, did read that. Nathan also says, this is also a common trait with past Reds owners when they solicited bids to sell their interest in the club. This is out of our control, but perhaps an owner from outside the area that had a larger percentage of ownership would lead to more assertive leadership at the top. Your thoughts. Now, the, the first thing I would say, Chris, and I want to know what you th- think about this, is that a lot of the reason why I have in my memory that the red, past Reds owners, uh, you know, have kind of looked for a Cincinnati area, one is it kind of this fear, maybe rational, that uh, the owner's going to come in and, and move the team, right? Well, that was always the worry. I mean, I think we had that worry. I mean, the, as, a, as a city and as an organization, that was a worry dating back to the mid-1960s. Before Riverfront Stadium was built, there was quite a bit of talk that that the Reds weren't viable at Crosley Field, and and if they couldn't get a new, uh, you know, stadium there, then the ownership then the ownership was going to change, and they would move. So that was a real. There was a real, you know, the local businessmen saved the team vibe in the late '60s, and then again with Mark Shot in in the uh, early '80s. So. Uh, until Great American Ballpark was was kind of committed, I think that was a, a probably a realistic concern potentially. And so what you end up with are undercapitalized owners, basically. Uh, seems like yeah, guys who who were you know in a, in a lot of cases doing it as as to some degree anyway a community service. I mean, I don't you know Carl uh, Linder wasn't undercapitalized by any stretch of the imagination, nor frankly is is Bob Castellini. But, um, true, you know, it, it, you are drawing from a, 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 a smaller well than if you took ownership candidates from the entire country. Yeah. Um, 
You're also uh, limiting what uh, what kind of return you can get on selling the team. Uh, Castellini needs to go search for uh, somebody far and wide to sell this team to, uh, or his ownership group does. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll say this. Um, when's the last time a big league team actually moved? Who was it? Do you remember? Well, it was the Nationals, I suppose. I, the Nationals. That's probably the one in the last probably 40 years. It's the only. I think it's the only one I can remember, right? I mean, I think... Prior to that, it would have been the the Pilots and the the Mariners. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was always talk Brewers, about Brewers. You know, Pilots to the Brewers, and uh, yeah, I think that would be right. So, are, are we really worried about the team moving <laughs> at this point? Uh, you know, it's just not something no, that happens in baseball. That, no, no. I, I do think there's a bit of a there, there's some kind of a thought that a local ownership group is going to be more responsive or more more fan-friendly or something. I don't know. I don't know that it's true anymore. I don't know. I don't want a guy that'll, you know, Mark Cuban type that'll try to win. The Cincinnati Musks. <laughs> Is that what you... the world's richest man. There we go. How do we get Elon Musk in here? We have a flying stadium. Oh, my God. Yeah, obviously. We might play on the you moon know, or somewhere. I'll tell you what the, a guarantee they would have is a bullpen car. Oh, there's no question. But but what kind of car would it be? A self-driving electrical bullpen cart with a giant hat on top. Oh man, I just I just shed a single tear. Oh, <laughs> terribly exciting. All right, yeah, um, I th- I don't think you're wrong uh, about that, um, Nathan. But I'm I'm not sure that uh, you know. Uh, I think that you probably would get somebody from out, outside, maybe. But I don't know. I think Castellini could do it if you if you if you really wanted to. I mean. His uh, asset is up over a you know, half billion dollars or something since he bought the his ownership group bought the team. So, hey, whatever. Joey Gaditz asks, "Hey guys, Happy New Year! If the Reds opt to fill the rotation via in-house, who's the likely fifth starter? <laughs> Michael Lorenzen, Tyler Malley, the fourth starter now. Well, if if they go in-house, we got Tyler Malley's probably your third starter, right? Who? I guess you're right." I mean, yeah, yeah, he, you're right. Gray Castillo, uh, Malley, uh, Wade Miley is probably your fourth. Michael Lorenzen or uh, Jose De Leon, TJ Antone, Nick Lodolo. Oh, no, I like that idea. I like saying it that way. <laughs> Please continue to say it that way. I'm going to encourage that. Huh. Uh, one of those guys, but none of those uh, inspire me, Joey. I'm sorry to sorry to say. Uh, but it is what it is. Yeah, listen, T.J. Antone, yeah, he, was, he was pretty effective last year. I could see him stepping up. Um, I don't know. Yeah, what, what we saw last year was was uh, really rare and unusual, especially for the Reds. To see, you know, six above-average pitchers and lined up for a rotation. Yeah. Um, Five and Wade Miley. Right. No, I mean, they still could have, they're going to have the rotation they had last year. They can still have a good rotation. I mean, they got two hammers at the top so and I, i'm a fan of molly as all of you know molly miley molly molly mark hyden mark's uh it's not really a, a question as much as it's a comment but mark is after our own heart here chris garber here's his comment hey no lindor but at least we got art warren five exclamation points he mispronounced the warren art's name but uh he's he's on the right track right uh, you know what? I'm I, I I don't know. Art Warren looks like a guy who could throw the ball. Yeah, um, it is just a little bit disappointing, though. <laughs> it's not. Sorry, Art, if you're listening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna root for you because you wear the laundry of our favorite squadron. Chuck Nichols, another happy New Year. It's almost time to hit the nice. Hit the nice. Don't hit the nice. It's almost time to what hit does the. What does that mean? <laughs> it means that I can't read. It's almost time to hit the ice with the NHL season starting soon. What NHL teams do either of you follow? You an NHL guy? I uh, let me let me let me not answer his question directly. I am a fan of the Columbus Blue Jackets. I just do not follow them that closely. Yeah, I figured that's where you were going. I, you know, I was a, a big fan of hockey uh, for many years, and kind of went away with uh, from it until last year. For, the, for whatever reason, for the first time ever, I decided to get back into it, and I picked uh, I picked up with my random team that I picked when I was seven years old, 
um, which was the New York Islanders, uh, and they started doing well last year. So I thought, oh, I'm going to follow. I'm going to follow them. And it did end up making it to the uh, conference finals. But when I was like seven years old, somebody gave me a, a Danny Potvin card. And I said, oh, okay. That's my favorite team now. So I don't know. I, I like NHL. I really enjoy watching it. I can't say I follow it extremely closely, but it's a, it's a good game. I like it. I enjoy it. I, enjoy, I, I, just, I get overwhelmed by this is what people say about baseball. There are so many games and they start fairly early in the evening that by the time I like get myself situated after work and get dinner and get the kids where they need to be, like it's a third period. <laughs> right. Right. And I can watch it then. And maybe that's the smart thing to do is just watch the third period of hockey games. But, um, it's hard to kind of really get a, for me to devote the time to it. Yeah. I mean, that's what I discovered when there were no sports is that I, you know, my sports watching, uh, I've not really caught back up to where it was before the, the lockdown without sports. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, same, same. Yeah, I, I'm not watching as much uh, NBA as I used to watch. Uh, I still watch college basketball and, and baseball. That's and soccer, I guess, but even those are less. So uh, Rich Thompson, he uh, says, I would say happy new year, but you're right. We already said this, uh, Rich. I would say happy new year, but I think we're still getting some spillover from 2020. You're absolutely right. But tomorrow's another day, and I prefer to look forward. Consequently, I think the Reds can still compete in 2021 if management can shore up the shortstop position. Uh, we're dreamers, if nothing else. Now that Lindor's off the board, I'd like to see the Reds add either Didi Gregorius or orchestrate a trade for a shortstop with either Colorado for Trevor Story or with Washington for the Trey Turner or Carter Keeboom. Which of these options would be your preference, and what do you think uh, that management will do in regards to the shortstop situation, if you think at all? We've already kind of answered that one. Uh, yeah, well, I don't understand. I'm not a big Trevor Story guy. Uh, he's never hit particularly well away from uh, Colorado in one year and really expensive. Uh, why, why, why would you trade I, a lot for him? No, I, right. I mean, I guess if they want to hand him over, uh, sure. But, you know, don't go trading Castillo for him. Yeah, I, I'll be honest with you. I don't know. I, I, I don't love any of those options, but they got to do something. Uh, and we've already kind of talked about that, but. I like Trey Turner. I mean, you know, but again, what are you going to give up? Um, what do the Reds have to give up? You know, if it's Castillo or Gray, forget it. I just it's not worth it to me. But uh, I don't know. Give up whoever they got still in minor league. Jonathan India. Yeah. Uh, can we, can we still trade uh, Taylor Trammell? Is he still still he's still out there? Shed Long. Oh, Shed Long. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, the the options are starting to get more and more limited, even though there are a few guys still out there. But in terms of – Gregorius is really the only one that I have much interest in at all. And I'm not fired up about it, but I think he helps the team. So I don't, I don't know what they're going to do, if anything. Nathan Sturworth, next to the last question here this week, using a 1 to 10 scale, 1 representing a Homer Bailey level contract and 10 representing a Sonny Gray level contract, how bad are the Moustakas and Castellanos contracts? Uh, are they bad? I don't know. I mean, they certainly weren't bad when they were signed. I think they've. It, it may be that changes in in the, the industry due to the pandemic make them bad contracts. I think they're they're certainly unmovable contracts right now. Yeah, but I, mean, I I have a hard time criticizing anybody about those. Right. I I, I think five's uh, basically what, what what I would say. Just you know, I, I thought they were good deals at the time. I still think they were good deals. Uh, you know, but. Yeah, in, in retrospect, given the way things have happened and the fact that the Reds are trying to cut uh, some payroll, yeah, it looks like those are uh, unmovable. But I, don't know, I like those guys, and uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hammer them too much. So I'm just gonna say five there. Final question comes from our friend Joe Farsing. He's usually the first question. This time he's the last one, and he begins by saying, "I sincerely apologize for being late to the viewer mail party this week. I got a new phone, and I'm still logging into every app because I'm not smart enough to back up everything first. On to the pressing issue, recast the Back to the Future universe with Reds and Rivals. Clearly, the cards are the Tannen family. <laughs> so so who's Biff in this uh, in this scenario? Tony LaRusso. Tony, there's no other answer, is there? He's old Biff, anyway. <laughs> he is old Biff. My kids watched uh, Back to the Future 2 this week, so I'm, I'm right up to speed on it. And I could just see him smacking his a younger version of himself around with a almanac oh fantastic yeah great 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 uh series of movies so so who's marty mcfly i guess uh marty marty brenneman okay there we go we'll go with it why not 
Um, Doc Brown. That's got to be uh, Castellini up there, you know, trying to yeah, yeah. trying to yeah, concoct yeah. The, the plan here to. Sometimes his hair gets a little uh, crazy too. So that's, that's right. That's a good one. Good point. I don't know. Uh, George McFly. Who's the Crispin Glover of the Reds organization? <laughs> that's high praise there. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm saying this out of love, but Jim Day. <laughs> Jim Day has a little Crispin Glover in him. I can see that. Uh, I don't know. L- Lorraine. Do we want to talk about Lorraine? Who that is? We, I, I don't know who Lorraine is. No idea. So and just hear hear Jim Day. You get your hands off her. <laughs> I, I would pay actual United States tender to hear Jim Day say that. Hey, hey can I get on a Jim Day thing real quick? I don't, I don't know. Maybe I didn't get last week's show, but uh, I just read in the Mark Sheldon thing that, that he said uh, Jim Day has been, you know, not a candidate for the permanent uh, play-by-play man job. Really? I didn't No, I didn't see that. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. Um, I thought they were going to hand it know, to him. And he's fine. I kind of did. You know, he's fine. I, I, I would have been okay if they did, and okay if they didn't, I guess. Yeah. Does Does Marty have another son? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. They uh, Sheldon mentioned... Uh, uh, <laughs> Some guy from Cincinnati, sure. probably. No, well, the guy the guy who does the, the Bengals and the Bearcats games. Dan, um, Dan Horde? Yeah, sorry. Yeah, Dan Horde. Yeah, Dan's Which good. would be great if they could work that out. Um, and then you know, uh, beyond that, he just said it would be nice if they got if they got somebody from out of town, uh, they should consider a woman or a minority candidate. Which, sure, we'll see. Yeah, uh, yeah, that does surprise me about uh, about Jim Day as well. But presumably, he's still going to be, uh, you know, uh, articul- articulating his buffoonery in the dugout uh, during games. So his particular unique brand of buffoonery, and we and hopefully he's still around so that we can hear uh, Eugenio Suarez talk to him. Hi, Jim Day. Love Gino. Any other rants you want to get off on here, or are we gonna? Can we call this one quits? Uh, yeah, I think we'd be done. All right. Well, this is uh, Red Lake Nation Radio. You know where to subscribe. I'm not gonna go into all that. Uh, you know, we're trying to still have some fun during this uh, off season, and fingers crossed that the Reds are gonna make some moves. Um, for uh, Chris Garver and Patrick Kivlahan, this is Chad Dotson saying, "So long, everyone." Thanks for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio from RedLegNation.com. Subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. And join us for discussion of all things Reds at RedLegNation.com. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week.